When the red light goes... Take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Steven Gagliano. Giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station. As we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome on in to Off Air. This is episode number three, The Trace. I am Chris Thomas, joined as always by my fellow 929 The Game producer, Stephen Gagliano, and we have a jam-packed show for you. Mr. Stephen, how was your weekend, sir? My weekend was fantastic. I actually had a day off, which doesn't happen very often on the weekend, so I was able to just kind of sit around, watch some football on Sunday, and it was, it was great. Heard you produced you? a phenomenal show on Saturday. I did. One of the better shows we have here on 92.9 uh, called The Other Side of the Glass. Really enjoyed that with you and Mr. Bo Morgan. Oh, wow. Look at that. Wow. You're so generous. Look at that. I didn't have to lead you into that at all or anything. No. So, so Stephen is a multi-talented, multi-pronged producer, update <laughs> anchor, digital guy. He's a, he's a Swiss Army knife of the radio station. And frankly, it wouldn't exist without him. So that's... I'm our Cordero Patterson. Oh, and how what a segue right there. Because for our first topic of the day, the inside radio segment, um, did the Falcons play calling get influenced by the media? What do we mean by that? Well, if you guys recall last week, Atlanta sports fans were up in arms, to say the least, about the lack of receptions, targets, catches, touchdowns, fantasy points for Kyle Pitts through the first two games of the season. So what are fantasy the, football here says Arthur Smith. Exactly. So what do the Falcons do? They come out of the gate versus the Seahawks and they fire a shot downfield on the first play of the game to who other than Mr. Pitts. Now the, the pass wasn't completed. Marcus Mariota overshot him by a couple yards, but that's not the point, Steve. We're not here to break down the X's and O's. You can go to Peachtree football with Dylan Matthews and Bo Morgan. If that's what you're looking for, because they'll grind it down to a fine powder. We want to know about the media and the fan portion of this and the radio listener portion of this. In your opinion, good sir, did we, the collective, we, get up Arthur Smith's butt just a little too much, and he got tight and caved into the pressure and threw it to Pitts on the first play. Yes, I 100% think so. And, you know, after the game, I'm sure reporters asked the right questions, and I heard a few of them talking about him getting involved in the game plan. And it was, well, everything matched up right, and each week is different, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. No. He was targeted, what, five times total? or six times total throughout the whole season, all of a sudden, after the week that Arthur Smith has had of answering these questions, Marcus Mariota was answering questions. Everybody was. You can't tell me that on the first play, it was always going to be a designed rollout 50-yard bomb to Kyle Pitts. That was directly influenced by the media, us here at 92.9, as the flagship station of the Falcons, fans on Twitter. They hear all of it. Coaches, players, they can't say, well, we don't listen to the outside noise. They absolutely do. And that first play was evidence of that. Um, not only that, then they go back to him on the second passing play of the game as well. Now, he had a good game. He had his best game of the season by far. Still not 
last year's standards where he was like a hundred yards a game and pro bowler and, and everything like that. But he definitely was more involved this week, at least in part because everyone wouldn't shut the F up about <laughs> Kyle Pitts getting the ball, man. It was, it was the lead topic. It was as if that is the singular reason. Like if you, if you parachuted in from, I don't know, let's say Cleveland, where our next opponent will be coming from. And you are a Cleveland Sports Talk Radio fan. You would think, and you just started listening to 92.9 The Game, you would think the only reason the Falcons were 0-2 is that Kyle Pitts wasn't getting the ball. Not that Jameis turned into Tom Brady in the final quarter against us and the defense totally collapsed in week one, or that we couldn't score for most of the Rams game to save our lives. And Aaron Donald was, you know, eating up gaps for lunch in LA. It was, yeah, it was Kyle Pitts not getting the ball period. End of story. Uh, Our season is lost because Arthur Smith forgot how to call plays and is purposefully spiting everyone by not getting Kyle Pitts involved. No, that's not how it works. Now, I will say this. Um, it seemed to work pretty well against the Seahawks yesterday. Um, so why weren't we doing it more the first two weeks of the season? Was it strictly a matchup thing? Was he getting double covered? Is it Marcus Mariota still, you know, getting comfortable and when he rolls out? See, one thing that Bo and I did discuss is it's – one of the tougher things to do in the NFL is when you're a mobile quarterback and the play breaks down for the receivers is to readjust their routes and find themselves in a position than they were originally designed to go and then catch the ball on the fly. Maybe he's just not good at that. I don't know. But whatever the reason is, they weren't doing it and they lost two games and then they did it and they won. So, Steve, am I missing something here? No, I don't think so. And and after the week that we had here at the station and on social media of that being the dominant conversation, for the Falcons to win, that's a moment of, of vindication, I guess I'll call it, for the fans and for everybody that did. Pound O flesh. Yeah, exactly. And now if if the Falcons go out next week and lose to the Browns, it probably won't be because Kyle Pitts doesn't have 150 yards or whatever. But if he doesn't get the same number of targets, at least, that conversation is going to ramp right back up and say, well, we won when Kyle Pitts was targeted all those times. So it's an interesting thing of how it's going to unfold the rest of the season. But, you know, in a vacuum on Sunday, you saw, I think, a direct influence of the conversation throughout the week leading into the game plan on Sunday. Yeah, I know the Seahawks secondary is banged up. No Jamal Adams and... Uh, it's just not what it was with the Legion of Boom. So maybe they maybe they legitimately were taking advantage of some matchups there. That's definitely on the table and probable. And you saw on the last drive, it was Drake London who ultimately caught the game-winning touchdown pass. It wasn't Pitts. So it's not like they were trying to force-feed him the ball. But man, I, I texted you the second after that first play of the game happened. I texted you, and we both we both knew – exactly what the situation was because 
We, Dukes and Bell have Arthur Smith on every week. The guys asked him about it. He gave the stereotypical coach answer of, well, you know, we, we can't. We're not playing fantasy football, as you said earlier. We can't dictate matchups. You know, we got to go with what the defense gives us, yada, yada, yada. Well, on that first play of the game, it looked like you were doing that no matter what. It looked like that was the game plan. You weren't checking down to Cordero Patterson out of the backfield. Mariota had his eyes on the prize, and he was going downfield with that ball, and it felt like a giant middle finger from the Falcons coaching staff to everyone out there who was doubting them. Now, like you said, if we go on a toot here and get three-game winning streak going on, and even if Kyle Pitts doesn't have big numbers, it won't matter as much, but... If Kyle Pitts has three receptions for 37 yards and no touchdowns next week and we get our doors blown off and the offense can't get going, like you said, it's going to be, um, <clears throat> Coach, uh, in your one win this season, Kyle Pitts had five receptions for 80 yards and combined he hasn't had that in the three losses this season. Um, why? What kind of question is that, Carl? <laughs> Come I need on, Phil. Drop right. Oh, Phil, I was wrong with the name. I need a question. Is that Phil? <laughs> but yeah, that those will inevitably be the questions if next weekend Kyle Pitts has two catches for you know 32 yards and you get the brakes beat off you by the Browns. Yeah, and I just I wonder I wonder what legitimately is the best option for the team because you know Kyle Pitts is gonna be the primary focus for the defense, at least until if Drake London keeps this up, he is going to become the number one focus for the defense. Cause not only is he great at catching the ball, he has a huge catch radius, but he's also a down the field threat in a way that, you know, Kyle Pitts is as well, but that's not his primary focus is to run go routes. You know, you could tell Drake London to go run it down the field in a straight line. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next couple weeks. But a couple things we know here are true. The Falcons won. Kyle Pitts caught a lot of balls. And the offense looked the best it's looked all season. So we will have to see what happens next week with the Brownies, who have a much better defense than the Seahawks, what the results are there. Bad secondary, though. I will say, as a Browns fan, I've, I've been thoroughly disappointed with coverage in the Browns secondary this season. So there are matchups that the, that the Falcons can absolutely exploit there. So they have all those names back there though. They have all those household names. Yeah. They're household names, but they're not playing as well as, as maybe they need to. Denzel Ward is playing well, but uh, the rest of them need to, need to start up in their game a little bit around them. So that's something that we can kind of jab Arthur Smith about this week on Dukes and Bell. We can get in his head that the Browns secondary isn't, uh, all that it's cracked up to be. So they keep throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts. Well, we know that Mario is going to have to get the ball out of his hands quickly because big old, uh, what number is Garrett? 95? Yep. Yep. He's uh, going to be saying hi to our offensive line, I think, more than a couple times <laughs> during that game. Um, all right. Transition. Um, we're still working on that, on that sounder and graph. We'll have. We're, we're getting there, guys. Don't worry. This is episode three. Um, Apple TV and this whole MLB, Aaron Judge, where's my game, home run chase debacle that's going on. Uh, I don't know about you, Steve, but frankly, I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. There's two options, guys. Get with the times, 
get a smart TV. They're not expensive anymore. Get a Roku, get a Fire Stick, or don't. I'm sick and tired of listening to Sports Talk Radio and hearing people call in and talk about the game's on Apple TV tonight or the game's on Amazon Prime and I have to pay for it and blah, 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 blah. This is what it is, guys. I'm sorry to be harsh and I'm sorry to come at this in such a blunt tone, but Steve, this is the future. This is what it is. It's a la carte. It's, you know, you got to pay for this or that. You got to pay for the things that you want. And eventually, guys, everything's going digital. Now, we've talked about on the first couple episodes already, there are some things that I don't like about the streaming services. Not being able to flip back and forth between broadcasts and cable is one major issue right now. And there's been some technical difficulties. But in terms of needing to have the actual things to watch the game, Steve, it's just how it is. So Friday night, the game was on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, you could have watched it for free. All you had to do was make a, um, I was going to say iTunes account, but that's not right. You had to make a, an, an Apple ID, I think is what they're calling it. Yeah. And I miss good old iTunes. That, the, yeah. that even has fallen by the wayside. That's something that you thought would just be there forever. And iTunes even kind of went. Well, now uh, it's Apple Music. I remember for my birthday and Christmas, every year I'd get iTunes gift cards. To yep. get paying a dollar a song and all that. Yep. And you had your iPod that you would clip. I had the big bulky one when it first came out that it had the clip on the back that you'd clip to your jeans and you got the big long white headphones and you'd put them in your ear and you'd bounce your way to school. And it, you thought you thought this was the 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 moment where technology peaked. It, could, it couldn't possibly get any better than that. Instead of lugging around a CD player and a CD case everywhere you went. You had everything on this little block that clipped to your belt. Uh, yeah, and and I I guess I bring that part of it up to follow up with what you're saying is, and Apple TV is not even the end of it. There will be a new streaming service yep. a couple of years from now that is going to do something different than Apple TV. So yeah, we can have our gripes with streaming services and and the way things are moving, and we'll bring those up to you guys. But at the end of the day, that is how it's going to be. If you want to watch Aaron Judge on a Friday night or even the Braves here in Atlanta, it's happened a few times. If you want to watch 162 games, it's not always going to be on your local provider. You're going to have to commit to finding those ways to watch the other games. Even the Yankees this year, and you can tell by my cap that although I reside in Atlanta now, I grew up in New York and am a Yankees fan. Um, they signed a deal with Amazon this year where 20 games were exclusively on Amazon Prime. So you had to not – not only did you – need to have a smart TV, you needed to have an Amazon Prime membership or you couldn't watch the game at all. And they even blacked it out for the rest of the country. I couldn't watch it here in Atlanta. I have Amazon Prime, but it was only in New York. They eliminated it from the cable and the over-the-air uh, games, which in New York is on Channel 11, and they sold all of those games to Amazon Prime. So you were SOL if you didn't have those services. So, guys – it's, it's pretty simple. Like this is how it is. Now you either adapt with the times or you don't watch the games. And to be completely frank, it's not difficult to do it, it, You just need to have a smart TV and you need to be able to download an app on your TV. It's, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's, I think, I don't know about you. I think it's more about people 
being stubborn and people not wanting to change and people seeing any extra step or any extra inconvenience to them as something that is blatantly unacceptable as opposed to this is how it is going forward. Yeah. The, the times they are a changing. What's that anchor man line? Ron Burgundy had never heard that song, but I mean, that that's the case. And you know, the thing with Amazon prime specifically, I think that's the first time that every husband or boyfriend or whatever has been okay with their wife or girlfriend ordering a million things off of Amazon <laughs> because I didn't know I had Amazon prime. And then when the time came to sign in for the first Thursday night football game, I was talking to my wife. I was like, Oh, we're not Amazon prime members or whatever. And she's like, Oh yes, we are because she orders all that nonsense. So I had it already. So are you, are you a package a day kind of household? What's the situation? Not a day, at least one or two a week, I think. And what percentage of those are useless things versus useful things? I'd say, I'd say 75% useless. 25 percent wow in my, so she, in my opinion i'm sure she okay. gets a lot of use out of out of 100 so she's not firing on a good clip for you right now not for me for her she's doing one okay as long as the checkbook is balanced at the end of the month that's exactly. really that's all i'm worried about matters. it's really the only thing that matters so one thing that's interesting here is so you just alluded to this is like where is this gonna go right so in five years from now are we all going to have to have one, like let's take the NFL, for example, because I know, what is it? The Sunday ticket package is up at the end of the year. Yeah. And, thank the, God. and the, the rumor is now, I think that that's going to go to Apple too. So if you, if it, I think eventually what's going to happen is the leagues are going to control all of their own product and all of their own branding and distribution for the games. It's not going to be done through third-party services which I think could wind up simplifying things because I think what everybody ultimately wants is the choice between either watching all of the games, some of the games, or just their favorite team. And it's hard to get that consistently right now because right now, like I use the Yankees for an example, they're either on yes, which is on cable or an app. Uh, They were on channel 11, but those games now got sold to Amazon, which you need a prime membership for or they're on Apple TV. So you need three different services potentially on any given weekend, or they're on, or they could be on Fox game of the week, which is over the air, which everybody has, but I I don't have a cable box. I don't know about you. My um, streaming service. This is something we talked about last week is an app on the smart TV. So I, I hit Xfinity and my basic cable is just on a list and I just choose the channel that I want to watch. I don't have the box anymore. So for one baseball team, that's four different outlets you potentially need to have in order to watch the the team on any given day. I remember one weekend this year for the Braves, uh, Friday night they were on Fox, Saturday they were on Bally, and Sunday they were on ESPN. That's another one. That's five. They could be on Sunday Night Baseball. So in order to have, there's not a great likelihood that off the bat, you have all of those things. Now, most of those wind up being free, but a couple of those are paid subscription services. So what I think is going to wind up happening is like, you're going to have the NFL rule over all the games and you can either have one of a few options. You can get the equivalent of the Sunday ticket, which you can watch any game anywhere. You can get the red zone. You can get a group package or let's say they do it by division or by conference. If you're 
a Falcons fan, you can get all the NFC South games or you can get all the NFC games or you can just get your individual team. That's my hypothesis on it anyway, of where we're going. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea and, and something that I've wondered why that's not a thing already, like especially for something like the NBA or baseball, where I think the NFL, more people are apt to watch all of it just because the NFL is king. But the Sunday ticket or Sunday ticket, the MLB package or whatever, I've always wondered, I just want to buy into if I'm I'm obviously a Braves fan, but if I moved out to California, whatever. Just let me pay to watch every Braves game. That's all I want. I don't care about watching, you know, the White Sox or the right. Cubs or whoever else. I just want to watch my team. So if they make that available, I think people would be, you know, very willing to kind of jump into the stream game if they've been hesitant so far. And the best part about all this, Steve, Aaron Judge didn't even hit the damn home run anyway. Yeah, all that, uh, all that buildup for nothing. I mean, the Yankees won. They did get uh, they got Pujols' seven hundred though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, man, it's so funny. They still won seven games in a row, and he hasn't hit the home run, and that seems to be more important than, um, you know, the actual team in the postseason standing. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Kind of a, a it's funny how that works. It's and it's almost like hmm. Kyle Pitts getting the ball was more important than the Falcons even winning a game. It's funny how these things all tie together with that. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say if, so if the Falcons were to have lost yesterday, it was going to be because of Marcus Mariota's fumble in the fourth quarter, which was, you could just, we talked about it last week, how to prep for a show based on a win or a loss. I saw everything changing in that moment of, oh boy, every every good thing that happened is now out the window because they're going to lose based on that fumble. That and allowing Geno Smith to throw for almost 350 right. yards, um, which is unbelievable. All yeah. right, so if that had happened, though, I, I was just going to say that, you know, the, the story, if they would have just lost in a normal way, but Kyle Pitts had the game that he had, the focus still would have been Kyle Pitts. It wouldn't have been yep. 0-3, I don't think. Yep, it would have been a hey, hey, at least at least Kyle Pitts is getting involved, and then and then here's the line. Now the team is moving in the right direction. Exactly. That's that that would have been the token line of the week because the offense is now finally operating the way that it needs to, and you know they can put the couple clunkers that they've had to start the season behind them. Yeah. Even and that would have even if let's say they won and Pitts had like two catches for 19 yards yesterday, <laughs> but they still won. I still think there would be people saying, Hey, you know, we won, but we won by the skin of our teeth and Kyle Pitts still did nothing. Right. We would have won by 20 if Kyle Pitts right. if, was targeted more. hundred percent. And, and now you see that he was targeted a lot more, had a lot more catches and they still won by the skin of their teeth. It still didn't matter. All right. Our second and final transition. Um, so last week on the Steakhouse, you guys had a very special guest. Yes. And who might that be? That was ESPN's L. Duncan, a oh, Atlanta native who, yeah, she's up with ESPN now. I think she was in Boston on uh, on Nesson for a while, but just a huge personality at ESPN, but uh, still likes to shout out Atlanta all the time. And yeah, we had her on to play Buy or Sell, which every Friday it's a segment that uh, that goes over our commercial break a little bit, but it's a great segment. Uh, we've had L. Duncan. Now you're Duncan. really lifting up the curtain with that comment. Right? Yeah, exactly. We're going real inside baseball. So, yeah, we've had Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, Chipper Jones was on it. Your own Mike Bell. 
uh, from Dukes and Bell, I think was the first guy to jump That's on right. at, at Falcons camp. Yep. That's right. So, so yeah, they do a little interview uh, before playing kind of a rapid fire buy or sell segment. And in this one, uh, they were talking to Elle, Stake and Sandra were about, you know, just her kind of shouting out at Atlanta and how hard it's been to be an Atlanta sports fan up there and just how she's kind of had to defend Atlanta over the years. So here is our Hall of Fame audio clip of the week with Elle Duncan. Atlanta sports fans are not only some of the best, they're incredibly loyal because we faced a lot of adversity. We have clung to a Braves championship previously, you know, previous to last year for our like whole life and that's it. We've had like so many unorthodox things happen, right? Like the face of your you know, football team goes to prison and you trade away Brett Favre and you trade away Dominic Wilkins Donnie. for Danny Manning and your hockey team leaves twice and like there's, Stop you know, it. And there's 28 Stop to 3. Stop it. Stop reminding <laughs> The list goes on and on. That's 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 good. She's funny and she's great, by the way. If you watch her on Sports Center, she her, her wit is like she's like she's like that on TV, which is really rare to find. Um, she's not wrong either, man. I mean, last year, see, it's so funny because I moved to Atlanta at the end of 2020, and then in the middle of my first full year working in the city, the Dogs and the Braves win championships, which. I'm like, oh, this is freaking awesome. But if I had lived here the 20 years before, like most everyone else, there was a whole lot of nothing going on. So you need to have resilience and patience as fan bases for these teams, and especially with the ones that have come so close. I mean, the Braves. As close as you possibly can get without winning it. The Braves, the Falcons, like were inches away from winning championships and lost in the worst possible ways you can lose these things and that and truth be told that's why i understand i know part of it's ridiculous like going back to the kyle pitts thing i know that the fans ultimately do know that the tight end not getting as many catches is not the only reason that they lost two games this season but when you're in the situation you're in and you want to win so bad and there's been so much bad it's easy to feel that way and be that yeah and you want to identify that one thing, that one quick fix of once this happens, that's going to put us over the hump. So I think that's why people are so quick to, to kind of identify what those could be. But the loyalty question is something that uh, I think she's definitely onto with the Falcons. And I'll say as somebody who was born in Cleveland, I've lived here most of my life, but family up in Cleveland, you know, the Browns fans, Indians, now the Guardians those fans have always been among the most loyal and I've seen it. My, my grandfather was in Cleveland municipal stadium for every thinkable Browns moment, you know, that you've heard, mm. whether it's the drive or red, right, 88, all these different things. He was there for those. And so I empathize with the Falcons fans and with the Atlanta sports fans that are going through the same thing, especially with the Falcons. I've been a Braves fan my whole life, but yeah. Falcons, I, I just am able to empathize as a Browns you know, Falcons crossover here. The one thing I will say that I think the city does need to improve on is um, the in-game stadium. You know, when, when, when things are good, it's so much fun. Um, I've been to more than a handful of Atlanta United games, for example. Um, And it went now steadily down, down, down. As the team got worse, the crowds got fewer, the building was quieter, there was so much less of a vibe. 
Um, I think the city could do a little bit better in, you know, sticking with the team during those hard times, even going to the games. Now, I understand it's expensive and you want to go for a good product when times are good and you don't want to waste your money when times are bad. But, you know, it does matter to the team. You hear the guys say all the time, home field advantage is such a real thing in every sport. Um, you know, the Braves are almost always, the Braves are an outlier. Even when the Braves are bad, I feel like uh, you can speak to this more than I can. I feel like the stadium's always full, but United. There were years, uh, you know, in that kind of 20, what, 2010 ish to 2015 or so. so pre Freddie era. Yeah. Pre battery, pre new stadium, all that over at Turner Field. Those crowds were not great, but you, you've got a great point that. You need to you need to stick with it to earn that kind of moniker as the most loyal fan base. I, I mentioned the Browns again. The 0 and 16 season, fans were still there. That place right. was still full. They had um, bags over their heads, but they were there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people they didn't want people to know it was them that was <laughs> in the stadium. But uh, but yeah, they showed up. So you you make a great point of just being there is still important, even if the team isn't great. Uh, yeah, and it all it all comes down to the relationship each individual fan has with the team. And Atlanta's Atlanta's a tricky city because there's a lot of people like me who weren't are not from here, didn't inherently grow up rooting for the teams, but got to the city. And you know, I work a very specific job where I'm around the local teams every single day. So it's easy for me to, you know, cop a side piece team. And you know, when the when the when the Yankees and Braves aren't playing each other, I'm watching the Braves every night now because I have to for work. And I'm a Jets fan, and thankfully I don't need to watch them much uh, now because they suck and the Falcons are on that I need to watch for work. So it gives me an excuse not to watch the most pathetic franchise in the NFL. Um, so, But a lot of people are, you know, you walk up and down Peachtree and you walk up and down Spring and Cypress and you see all these local bars in Midtown that are other team-specific bars. And, it, you know, for – a city that's not the same size as New York to have that is I feel like it's kind of rare, but that just speaks to the diversity of the city and the diversity of the people, which makes for a really cool city. But it also leaves a little gap for a, a place like Cleveland, where pretty much if you're from Cleveland, you're a Clevelander for right. life is where there's a lot of transplants, AT aliens. Yeah. I, I, that's a great way to put a uh, way to put it. And another, I guess, fan base to bring in here and I'm really excited about it. And I know you are, I know everybody at the station is, as we've kind of ramped up our coverage here with media day, starting on Fridays, the Hawks mm-hmm. after the off season that they had with DeJounte Murray coming in. I know we've got a lot of stuff planned at the station for Hawks basketball, but I'm really interested to see what those crowds are early on. I think state farm arena should be full. Your team showed you, that they're willing to kind of go all in, make moves. And, you know, I think fans will reward them for that and kind of show up early on. Now what happens results wise, we'll have to wait and see, but at least in the early going of the season, I think that should be a lot of fun at state farm arena. Yeah. I'm really interested by the Hawks because they have a good team, but the East is so good too. Right. I mean, you have, you have Brooklyn, you have Philadelphia, you have the Bucks. You have the Celtics who are now in their own trouble, but the players are, I mean, they made the, they made the <laughs> finals last year. Yeah. So you, you wonder exactly it's, the Hawks are, in my opinion, the, the Hawks might be the most interesting team in the East. Cause I think they could finish third. And I also think they could finish eighth. 
And I wouldn't be surprised by either, not because they're not good enough, just because I think the competition is going to be so strong in the conference, even with adding a player of DeJounte Murray's caliber. You know, we saw last year, you know, the, the formula needed to change for that team. And the formula needed to change for the Falcons too. And it looks like, you know, both of those squads are trying hard with new coaches in place. Nate's now firmly supplanted as the guy. Um, you know, Arthur Smith, I think, regardless of what happens this year, is going to get another shot at it next year. You know, Snit's not going anywhere unless he wants to. Uh, Atlanta United, we'll see. Um, you know, they're kind of hanging on by a thread right now. We got a couple games left in the season. But the, the point of all of that to say is, you know, the fan bases, while yes, we enjoyed a couple championships last year, gotta hang in even if things aren't going the best way. Even if Kyle Pitts isn't getting the ball for your fantasy team as much as you as much as you'd like him to. And, um, and talk about a fan base that uh, that we're gonna see if they're gonna hang in through some tough times is Georgia Tech. The, oh, the, we, the we didn't even right. The athletic director, head coach of your football team, fired. Um, so it, that's going to be interesting. And we've talked about it on the steakhouse a lot. And I know you guys have as well. It's a shame because we have, we've seen, you know, Bobby Dodd stadium rocking before and not too long ago. Sure. The Paul Johnson triple option thing, the offense was a little boring, but they were winning. And now, you know, now you're, you're blowing up the whole program again. For the yeah, they're starting the from, years. they're starting from absolute, you couldn't be starting from a lower place than where they're starting from. So right. I think there'll be a few lean years and whoever they bring in is going to have to recruit their butts off and, you know, try to ride, ride the wave, so to speak of a couple lean years and really build a program from start, which from, from our perspective will be really fun to watch, but yep. inside those coaches meetings when they're not so oh and oh and seven and they're trying to preach, you know, say the course it's our first year. And, you know, you got some, guy from Coweta County playing quarterback that no one's ever heard of before. Um, it'll be very interesting to see. That's right. We, we didn't touch on that as well. Um, all right. That'll do it for another episode of Off Air. I am Chris Thomas. That is Stephen Gagliano. We come at you every Tuesday and Thursday on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hall of Fame Audio of the Week. Thanks to L. Duncan stopping on the Steakhouse. We'll catch you guys in just a couple days.